0: Our text this morning is John chapter 19 and it, it is verse 5. We see here in this in this passage of scripture that uh, that we've come we've come to the end of of Christ's ministry on, here on the earth, uh, as we've already, as Jesus has already said in the last couple of chapters, the hour is come. Uh, he is about to uh, uh, give his life, and I, I, uh, it wasn't taken from him. And we, we need to make sure this is very clear. That uh, Jesus said that he had the power to lay down his life and the power to to take it up again. And I praise God that Christ laid down his life. It wasn't something that he did against his will. While we do know he struggled in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, as he prayed, Uh, uh, he prayed, not uh, my will, but thy will. We knew that uh, that, that the man part of him was struggling with what was about to take place. He knew what was going to happen, and he Purposely went forward and laid down his life. Uh, listen, he, he, there's a song out. He could have called ten thousand angels. Listen, he didn't need ten thousand angels. He could have opened up his mouth because uh, one day he's going to come back. We'll talk about this in a little bit. Uh, he's going to come back, and when he comes back, uh, he's going to come back riding on a white horse. And this is going to be—he's uh, uh, not going to be—it's not in compassion. He's going to come and judge this earth. He could have done that then. The problem was—and th- praise the Lord—for His mercy and His grace, He loved us. And without his death on the cross, without that sacrifice, without him laying down his life, there would be no salvation of men. But we see here uh, he's been brought before uh, pilots and pilots questioned him, and he was first he was taken to Caiaphas, and we want to talk about that we'll mention that here in a few minutes, he was taken to Caiaphas and and then uh, and judged overnight on uh, a night of just uh, being beaten and questioned and, and uh, having liars brought before him to testify against him. And uh, they, they, they did all of those things. And then when they... They broke and they said, listen, we, 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 we want to kill him, but we can't kill him. It's not, it's not okay for us to kill him. So we need to get the Romans to do it. So they bring him to Pilate and they bring, this man has, has brought about all kinds of sedition and lies and he's trying to overthrow you guys. And so Pilate questions him, and then Pilate sends him to Herod, and Herod sends him back to Pilate, and, and it goes through this whole rigmarole of uh, things, and, and he's questioned him, and, and even though his wife is, has uh, told Pilate, listen, don't have anything to do with him, I've had dreams about this man, uh, uh, let him go, and he's convinced in his heart that, that, they're, that they're in him there is no sin, there's no reason, he's, he's innocent, uh, he brings him before the people, and he tries to say, listen, in the previous verses, let me give you a Barabbas, a murderer, and and let me give you Jesus, and, and, and we'll kill the murderer. They said, no, crucify Jesus. So in verse 1, they talk about how they, they scourge him. And then they play their crown of thorns upon his head. We're going to get into this more in, in a moment. Uh, he places a, a purple robe upon him, and they, they begin to mock him. And they bring him out degraded before the people. And it's this phrase here that, that uh, the Pilate says. He says, behold the man. Because the, he wanted the people, uh, uh, he wanted the, the Jewish people to see the, the mockery that they had made of Christ. They wanted to see uh, the Jewish people, they, they wanted them to see the, 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 how he had been demeaned and how he had been degraded. And, and he says, listen, I don't find any fault in him. And listen, we've done all this to him already. But they wanted nothing but the blood of Christ. They wanted his death. And even though he had the, the the pilot had the wrong motive in presenting Christ before the people, even though he, he, he did it in completely the wrong way, even though uh, he, he had political motives and reasons behind it all, I want you to understand that there there is a time and a place when Christ should be put before the people. And, And today is going to be that day. I want you, I want you today to behold Christ for who he is. Not for who I say he is but for who the word of God says he is. If I were to title this message, it would be Behold the Man. Verse 1 says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers played a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe, and said, Hail the king of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and and saith unto him, Behold, I bring bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Let's pray. Father God, I, I pray that you would be with me this morning. God, I pray that you would empty me of myself, Lord, uh, of my opinions, of my thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would f- that I'd be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would give me the very words to speak. Lord, help me to speak it in a way that is easily to be understood, in a way that is not confused, uh, in, a, in a way that is, is not uh, hard, to, hard to understand. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would move amongst our hearts. Lord, may you give us ears to hear and eyes to see, not my words, but your words. Lord, may your spirit speak to each one of us individually, Father. If there's one here today that does not see Jesus as the Savior, God, may you open up their eyes today, that they might see him, see their need for him, and that they might see him as the Savior, that they might place their trust in him. Lord, I pray that you'd help us all just to have a better understanding, a better look at Jesus today. I pray that you would guide us, that you'd work in us. Lord, that you would do what needs to be done, because it's not anything that we can do ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. First, I want you to see the authenticity of his person, who he is. Uh, that's uh, Pilate said, "Behold the man." But but who is this man that, that we see? Well, uh, first I want you to understand his, his divine identity. We and we know all throughout Scripture. The Bible talks about how he is the Son of God. Uh, John chapter one, verse one: "In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Uh, it, 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 it it claims that that Word became flesh in verse fourteen. Uh, that Jesus Christ was was God in the flesh. In fact, the Bible tells us later on that, that the uh, that the 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 fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. He was fully God and fully man. And, and listen, when he was, when he was stand, sitting before Caiaphas and Caiaphas was questioning him and, and, and trying to get him to, to trip and to stumble on his words to give them reason to have him executed, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. What was he trying to get Caiaphas to understand? That, listen, he wasn't here to uproot the, uh, the 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 Roman system. He wasn't here to to destroy uh, the the the, uh, the the political system or the religious system. He was here to save the world because there needed to be a spiritual life. What did he tell Nicodemus? Ye must be born again. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. There is a difference. He did not come on this earth to rule from the throne uh, with a rod of iron. He came to rule spiritually in our hearts. He was a, it, was a, it was a divine identity. Uh, uh, he, he was and still is, may I say this, the, 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 the son of God. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't uh, just a miracle worker. He was God in the flesh. We see his divine identity. We see his divine impeccability. Uh, uh, listen, what did Pilate say? Uh, he says, I find no fault in him. Uh, he didn't find any, any, any wrongdoing, any reason to have him murdered. Listen, uh, there's a whole lot of people who say, well, I've, got no, I've never done anything where I should be executed for. Well, I hope not. <laughs> but the truth is, the Bible says, if we commit one sin, we're guilty of all sin. The, uh, we, may, uh, uh, we stand before God as a lawbreaker regardless of. Now, he was standing before Pilate, but the truth is, the Bible says that Jesus knew no sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Uh, uh, he was tempted uh, ju- uh, just like we were, yet without sin. Uh, uh, Christ lived on this earth for, for 33 and a half years. He, 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 had, he had younger brothers and sisters that he never tormented in sin. <laughs> How many of you can say that you didn't torment your family? None of you. Some of you still do. (laughs) <laughs> it's, uh, he, he never lied about his brother trying to get them in trouble. Uh, he, ne- he never did anything and blamed it on them. Uh, listen, I, I can remember as a kid, uh, I, I was five years old. I still, I'm still angry at my older brother about this. Uh, uh, I was five years old and I ran into our bedroom and he was laying on the floor and I jumped over him. I didn't touch him. He yelled like I kicked him in the side or something. And then he told my dad that, that, I, that, I, kicked, that I jumped on his stomach. And my dad questioned me and questioned me and questioned me and finally said, okay, I did it because I didn't know what else to say. And now I got a spanking for it. <laughs> I still hold that against him. <laughs> Jesus never did anything like that. In fact, the Bible says that he fulfilled the law. He was perfect. There there wasn't a a sinful thought in his mind. There was never a a, a time where he fell into the temptation, uh, under the temptation of Satan. Uh, there was, there was, uh, he had, uh, he was able to have relationships uh, with people that, that he, he never lied. He never broke those relationships. He never broke a promise. Uh, He never did anything that could be considered sin. He was sinless. When, when Pilate said, I find no fault in him, he didn't understand just how true that was. He was God and he was sinless. And my goodness, he had to be sinless because there had to be a spotless lamb to die for the sins of the whole world. If he had his own sin when he died, uh, listen, he would have died for his sin, not mine. But, but that's not the case. Uh, He was, he was uh, impeccable. Uh, There was, there was no sin in him whatsoever. His, his divine identity, we see his, his, his uh, sin, sinlessness, his impeccability, and, and his dignified invincibility. I, I love this, the, the fact that, that in Isaiah 53, it says, like a lamb, uh, he was led before the slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. And listen, he was accused, and he uh, he was questioned over and over and over again, all throughout the uh, Luke chapter 17 and 18, and John chapter 18 here in 19, that he was questioned over and over. And just like Isaiah said, he didn't argue with them. He didn't defend himself. He didn't say, oh, no, no, you're all wrong. They blindfolded him and beat him and said, tell us who it is. He didn't snap back. You know what? He probably could have, not probably, I I believe he could have told him who, who it was that struck him in the face. But He wasn't there to argue. He was there to die. He was there to die. When Pilate said, Behold the man, he wanted other people of Israel to look down upon Jesus. When I tell you, Behold the man, I want you to look up. Because he humbled himself. He was God, and he set aside his glory, and he put upon flesh. And he humbled himself like a servant. And he humbled himself so much that he humbled himself to the death on the cross, Philippians chapter 2. But because he did that, Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says God is going to exalt him. He's given him a name above every name, the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And while they may not do it all today, I can guarantee you one day every tongue will confess and every knee shall bow. Talk about the the authenticity of his person. Next, I want you to see the, the agony of the process of all of this. What exactly it was that Christ went through uh, in this, this death upon the cross. It wasn't a quick death. It wasn't an easy death by any, by any stretch of the imagination. And I'll, I'll try not to get too much into the details because I know we've got some younger children in here. But I, I want you to understand the, the gravity of what he went through, the agony of what he felt. Luke chapter 22. We find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can't read to it to you out of the book of John because John skips this part. But Luke chapter 22, we, we read of the agony, starting in verse 44. It says this, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. What's he praying about? About what he's about to face. He didn't go into this blindly. Uh, He wasn't confused as about what was to happen to him on that cross. He knew what was going to take place every second. He knew every scripture that had been written uh, to prophesy what was to take place. He knew that his bones wouldn't be broken, but he knew that uh, he would, he would bear the stripes so that by them we could be healed. He knew that we, that he knew that he would be scourged. He knew all the things were coming. And my goodness, I don't know about you, but I'd be terrified if that, if I knew that was coming. And he begins to pray and ask God if there'd be any other way. Jesus asking the Father if there'd be any other way. But in his deity, he knew there was no other way. And how we can wrap our mind about that, I I I don't know. But can I tell you, it's true. So facing all that, he prayed and asked the Father that this cup might be removed from him. But then he said, not my will, as he humbled himself to the Father, but thy will be done. And the, the more he prayed, the, the more agony. The, uh, his uh, his stress level increased, and uh, as as, he, as his battle was going on, as the struggle was going on, the Bible says that he sweated great drops of blood. Somehow, those the blood vessels that were running through his, his blood pressure got so high because of this struggle. You know, your blood pressure can be affected by stress, right? Uh, uh, and the more, you ever anybody have white coat syndrome. I have white coat syndrome. I go to the doctor. They take my blood pressure. It can be fine every other day. But I go to the doctor, and I see that white coat. They put that thing on my arm, and suddenly I've got hypertension. And the, uh, how often is it like this? Once once every six months when it comes to you guys. I don't know. It's fine all the other time. Uh, why? Because the stress level. Listen, the, the stress that he was under so much that the blood vessels exploded, and he excreted blood where it should have been sweat. Great drops of blood fell to the ground because of this agony, this 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 war, this battle that was going on inside of him. He he was struggling with this, yet he still humbled himself to the death upon the cross. Well, John also doesn't tell us at the same time the disciples are supposed to be praying for him and for themselves, but guess what they're doing? They fell asleep. He goes to him a couple times and wakes him up and finally the third time says, rest a little while. He, he understood they, they were going to need their rest and their strength and, and, and he went back to pray. And so, so we see here the agony in this garden as he's praying and, and, and seeking God and, 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 and humbling himself before God. Next we see the betrayal with a kiss also left out of the book of John. And John doesn't talk about that. John talks about the, 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 the strength of God as, as Jesus approaches them and says, Whom is it that you seek? And when they said, Jesus of Nazareth, he said, I am. The Bible records, John records, that they all fell back. But Luke here records that Judas came up and kissed him. Judas who? Judas, the one who walked with him for three and a half years. Who, 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 who he fed, whom he loved, whom he took care of, whom he provided for, whom, uh, listen, all the while he knew that Judas was going to betray him. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, uh, he wasn't confused by it. He knew the scriptures and he knew that one, that one day Judas would be replaced because of the betrayal that was going to take place. Uh, uh, he knew all those things in his heart and he loved him anyways. Well, how do you know he loved him? He washed his feet along with the rest of the disciples. He didn't call him out. He didn't make fun of him. He didn't say, you're going to be the one. The, 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 Judas was so good at hiding it That when Jesus said Somebody here is going to betray me They all said is it I They didn't say We know it's Judas obviously I mean come on no, they—they—they they, they, they were all concerned that it was themselves. But but listen, uh, he, he was betrayed by by somebody he loved. How would you feel if your wife was the one to turn you in? Uh, if your husband was the one to to, to turn you in or to, to to betray you in some way? Man, you would be crushed. You would be torn apart. He—Judas was one that he loved, one that he walked with, one who uh, partook in all of the the the, the, uh, the, the miracles, one that, that that heard the teaching, and the one whom Jesus served. Yet he still betrayed him. Go down a little bit farther. They all left him. Peter grabbed that sword when, when they when they took when they take Jesus. Peter grabs the sword and he pulls it out and he t- swipes it at the 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 uh, one of the men there is a as a servant. His name was Malchus and cuts off his ear. Good thing he wasn't very good with the sword. He was a fisherman. Uh, uh, Jesus bent down and he took that ear and he touched uh, touched the side of the head and healed it. And he says, put away the sword, Peter. Why? Because he wasn't there to fight. And when they took him, they all left. Every single one of them. Peter, the one who said, "I'll, I'll be with you till death. He followed him. He and John followed him, actually, and, but the Bible says they followed him from a, way, a great way off. I can still see him, Peter. It's okay. We don't want to get too close. will know we're here. All of his followers left him. He was denied by Peter. All of these things are happening to our Savior. He was talking about he was denied. He had told Peter, uh, tonight you're going to deny me uh, before the cock crows. You're going to deny me thrice. And, and, and Peter says, "That nah, it'll never happen. But well, look with me, if you would, verse 60 of, of Luke chapter 22. And Peter said, you being questioned, man, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, that was number three, by the way, the cock crew, crew, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crew, crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. That look was not a look of, I told you so. That look was not a look of hatred. I believe that look was a look of, of, of pain and love. But no matter how Jesus meant it, Peter realized what he did. And he went out with Why? Because what he had done is he had rejected, he had denied Christ. I don't even know the man. He was bound by Caiaphas, is bound, blindfolded, and beaten. They placed a, a blindfold, they would strike him in the face. And listen, this didn't just happen once or twice. They, they, they had him there all night long, bringing accusers in, and, and he was beaten, and they would question, Well, who is it that struck thee? Why don't you tell us, Jesus? You're, 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 you're the, the Son of God, you should know. Over and over again. You ever seen somebody beaten? The bruises. Swollen eyes, swollen face. They beat him all night long. Finally, when day breaks, they take him to Pilate. Back in John chapter 19. Pilate scourged him. Verse one. Scourging wasn't done wasn't done with a a bull whip or or it was done with what's called a cat of nine tails, nine strips of leather with a piece of metal or glass or, or or ceramic tied at the end, so that when they would strike the body. And if it was done correctly, it would wrap all the way around the body. And when they would rip it away, it would tear the flesh right from the bones. Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. He wasn't struck once or twice. Beaten until he probably couldn't stand anymore. His, his, his bones, uh, his insides, his internal organs visible. Muscle, sinew, organs. Blood loss would be incredible. When the scourging was done, the says they plated a crown of thorns upon his head. I don't know about you, but I don't like thorns. You're getting stuck with them. But these are, we're talking, uh, the thorns that they're were using were these long thorns. They made a crown, and they pressed it down. So it didn't just sit on top of his head, but pierced. Blood began to trickle down his face, run down his face, into his eyes, down his beard. What was left of his beard? They took a purple robe, they stripped him of his clothes, and they put this robe upon him. And they began to mock him and beat him some more, striking him, saying, Hail, the King of the Jews. And that's when Pilate walked him out and said, Behold, this man, a man who could barely stand, a man who's bleeding profusely. Possibly hardly conscious at times. And then they made Jesus carry his cross. His back bloody. They took that. They, they took that robe off of him. He's, uh, his back bloodied and torn apart. Uh, uh, he placed. They placed the, the cross upon his shoulder. And, and John uh, it talks about he carried the cross to to Golgotha. And the other three accounts it talks about how they they uh, they they brought in a man named Simon to carry the cross. Uh, uh, what that tells me is Jesus carried the cross for a portion of the way, but couldn't carry it because he collapsed under the weight of it. And and so uh, instead of continuing to beat a man who couldn't hardly stand up, they they, they brought in somebody else to carry that cross for him. And so he made his way uh, to, to, that, to, to that hill, and they, they laid the cross down, and they laid him upon the cross, and they took the hammer and the nails. They didn't put it into his hands. You go right here. There's a reason for that. So they put the nails here, It's going to hang by the weight of it. It would have torn right through the flesh. Because the only way to breathe when you're hanging upon a cross like that is to pull yourself up. Every breath has to be done this way. Because if you're hanging like this, you can't get a deep breath, and you'll suffocate to death. That's why they break the legs. But here, one, there's there's terrible nerves, arteries. There's enough bone structure there to hold it. So they nailed each hand to the cross and i don't believe they had to pin him down i believe he laid his hands down and they nailed his feet together to the cross and they raised it up and they dropped it down joltingly into the hole and he hung there for hours every breath So many times we gloss over the death and the agony that Christ went through. I want you to understand how terrible this was and how agonizing this was. He was mocked by, by those that were there. They said, uh, uh, come down from the cross. He saved others himself he cannot save. Even the two that were hung beside him mocked him for a period of time. And then one said, oh, no, Nate, we need to stop. And he looked at the Savior and said, remember me in paradise. Or He says, remember me. He says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Even in the midst of his agony, he still had compassion for, for those who were with him. He had compassion for him. He had compassion for those that nailed him to the cross. He said, hold not them to the, the sin to their charge. worse than anything else for the first time. He bore the sins of all men. Say, well, how's that worse? Well, we're used to it. We we're, we're, were used to being separated from God. That's how we were born in this earth. We were born into sin, for as death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We're, uh, we, we, we were born with a, with a dead spirit because, because of uh, Adam's sin and, and our sin nature. But Jesus, who would always, any time he called out to the Father, the Father answered. Do, do, but do you remember when he said, Eli, Eli, sabachthani, meaning, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? Why? Did God forsake him? For the first time, God could no longer look upon him. Right. There had been a day when, when, when the clouds had opened up and God had said as he rose up out of the water during his baptism, he says, Behold, uh, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There had been a time on the mountain where he was glorified and, and, and again, uh, God, God said, This is my son. But on the cross, when he said, my God, my God, God didn't answer. Why? Because he bore your and my sin. The Bible says, he became sin for you and for me wasn't just that he, he was paying the price, but, but he became sin. Uh, 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 he became, for the first time, a liar, an adulterer, uh, a murderer. Uh, he became sin in the eyes of God, and God turned his back upon him, and that is the greatest agony that he went through on that cross. And finally, after he had asked for water, He said he was thirsty and they gave him vinegar to drink. The last of the prophecies that had had to be fulfilled were fulfilled. And he says, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. That is the agony that that, that Jesus Christ went through. When we talk about behold the man, we're not talking about a man upon a cross. We're talking about a man who agonized in death. For you and I. But that's not the end. I hate stories that end badly like that. And the truth is, if the story ended right there, then we would be, of all men, most miserable. Because we'd be worshipping a man who's still in the grave. Who died, and that was the end. But not only do I want you to see the agony of, of the process of uh, of what happened but I want you to see the the uh, the I'm trying to figure um, the awesomeness of his prayer. or not of his prayer but of, of his uh power. The next thing that happens in, in this is uh, uh, they, they come to, they, 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 they beg for the body of uh, Nicodemus and, uh, beg, and uh, Joseph of Arimathea beg for the body of Jesus Christ. He's dead. They, they're going to break his legs, but scripture said that his bones would be broken. And isn't it funny how, how they, they said, well, the Romans said, well, well, we'll stab him in the side with a spear to see if, uh, to see if he's dead. They decided not to break his legs. Well, they broke the legs of the others. All think they were doing it on their own, but it was all according to the will and the plan of God because it had been prophesied many years before. They took that broken body, beaten so much so that it was disfigured and couldn't be recognizable. They took it from the cross. And Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea prepared it for burial. I can't imagine, I was talking with my parents uh, last night, I can't imagine what was going through their mind and the minds of the disciples during this time. Fear, grief, love. Joseph, Joseph and, and Nicodemus uh, uh, bathed the body, they washed the wounds, they, they, they cleansed the blood, the, 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 the wonderful blood of Christ. They cleansed it from his body. They wrapped his body in, 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 in grave clothes and they, they, they placed him in a borrowed tomb. It was Joseph's. Uh, uh, he was a carpenter's son. He, he didn't have a, a tomb of his own. It was a borrowed tomb and thankfully it was borrowed because he could give it back. He didn't use it. He didn't need it for very long. But, but they, they wrapped it, they, they placed that napkin over his face and they, they, they the, the soldiers came and they, 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 rolled the, the, the stone in front of the door and they sealed it so that nobody could get into it because they were afraid that somebody would steal the body because he had said, it's funny how the the Romans and the Pharisees remembered that he had said in three days he'll rise up, and the disciples forgot about that. But but so so for three days that that body lay in there, and, and I, I praise God for for David in in in, in uh, back in the Book of Psalms, he says that there, that he would see no corruption. Listen, his body did not corrupt. And there was no there was no. Uh, uh, have you been, ever been around a body that's been there for very long? I have. It isn't pleasant. That did not happen to our Lord. That body stayed in pristine condition, perfect condition, did not rot, did not, did not d- decay in any way, shape, or form. While, while that body was in that grave for three days, the Bible says that he had the, the keys of death and hell, and that he said, captivity. Set them free. He went down to paradise and sent set all those from the Old Testament. Set them free. That's why, that's why in the Old Testament, they, they, he, he told, he told the, uh, the, the man, he says, I'll see you today in paradise. But Paul says, to be absent from the body, is to be present from the Lord. All those, all those who were in paradise are now in heaven with God. And then three days later, he stood up. Think about what I just said. For three days, there was no breath in that body. But in three days later, he stood up. The grave closed, they fell off. He took that napkin across his face and he folded it up and he set it down. Listen, he didn't need to, to roll the, 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 the stone away. He could walk through walls. We we see that because that's how he appeared to the to the disciples. Uh, he, he didn't need. Uh, you know why that rock was rolled away? So that we would know he wasn't there anymore. There was a great, uh, great thunder and earthquake, and, and the angel came down, and the rock rolled away, and they all fell back. Can I tell you, he was alive, and they all saw it for the first time. He was gone. He was no longer there. Why do we celebrate Easter? Because He is risen, just as He said. Can I say what I say? Behold the man! Behold the risen man! The risen Savior, who's no longer in the grave anymore. He's no longer under the the, the, the cast of the, the the spell of death. Uh, he's not bound by it. He's had victory over it. Oh death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? Jesus Christ, one victory. When I say, "Behold the man," yes, we, there was a man that was in agony. Yes, there was a man who died and uh, uh, died a, an agonizing, horrible death uh, on that cross. Uh, but there's now. I want you to see, "Behold the man, a risen Savior who is no longer bound by death anymore." The Bible says that, uh, "Behold the man." Uh, he, he, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, he was three days in the tomb and then risen in victory. Uh, Next, he was revealed uh, to Mary. Uh, Mary and the other women came to the came to, to bring spices and to, uh, to, 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 to honor, honor the Savior. They, they came and, and they find the empty tomb. And, and while many of them run off, it says that Mary, not the mother, but Mary Magdalene, she saw Jesus as a, as a gardener. She didn't realize it was Jesus. She began to weep. And, Where have you put him? Have you done something with his body? Where where, where is he? And she began to weep and cry. And it wasn't until he said her name that she knew who it was. And she ran to cling to his feet. He said, don't touch me, for I have not been glorified. He had, to, he had to ascend into heaven. Uh, uh, but he said, do not touch me. Listen to a, a picture of the, uh, how the relationship was going to change. He was no longer going to be here on the, the earth where she could sit at his feet and hear uh, and, and hear him speak. But one day uh, he was going to be in heaven and she was going to have to have a, a spiritual relationship with him. Just like we have to have a spiritual relationship with, with Jesus Christ. He sits in heaven today and we can pray and seek him and he speaks to us through his word. He, he next reveals himself to the to the, to the two uh, on the, the road to Emmaus. He walks with them and talks with them, and and they're talking about all the things that just happened. Like, don't you? Didn't you know all these things? And he sits down to them with dinner, and he blesses the food. And suddenly their eyes are open, and they realize who it is. It says, "Our hearts burned within us." They immediately got back up and went back into Jerusalem. And they all told the disciples, look what's happened. And they said, well, Mary's come back. She's seen him and they've seen him, but we haven't seen him. They still didn't believe. The doors are locked and Jesus appears to to the 11, to the 10, because Judas is no longer with them and Thomas isn't there. And they begin to worship him there. What did he say when he came in? Peace. I'm so thankful for a Savior who can bring me peace. I'm so thankful for a Savior that I can have a relationship with. I can, I'm so thankful for a Savior who, when I'm with Him, my heart burns within me. And I'm thankful for a Savior like Thomas. When Thomas, when Thomas came the next day and Jesus appeared, he can allay all my doubts. What did Thomas say? I need to put my fingers in his hands and my hands, my hand in his side. Jesus appeared and he held out his hands. He says, Here you go, Thomas. Thomas didn't need to put his hands there. He just needed his, his, his fears and his doubts taken care of. I'm thankful for a God who, through his word and through his spirit, can bring me through my doubts and my fears. That I might like Thomas Thomas fall to my knees and worship my Saviour. When I say "Behold the man," I don't mean "Behold the man that Pilate stood before before the uh, the people of Israel." I don't say "Behold the man hanging upon the cross." I I, 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 don't, I don't even say "Behold the man, the Savior here on this earth," because he didn't stay here. He ascended into glory forty days later, after walking and talking upon this earth, after his resurrection, appearing unto five hundred people or so. Uh, 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 he ascends up into heaven at the be- at the beginning of the book of Acts, the end of all the uh, all the Gospels. He ascends up into heaven. And, and back to glory, receiving the glory that he once deserved, can I tell I can't imagine what it must have been like, but but, but to, to stand there and to watch Jesus Christ rise up into heaven into the clouds where you could no longer see him. They beheld him for so long they didn't realize there were two angels there, and they said, "What are you still doing here? He told you to go to Jerusalem and to wait, get going, because that man who just ascended up into heaven. And this is the man I want you to behold, folks, is the one who is going to come back again someday. And listen, the more I look at today's politics and the way the world is going, the more I know that we are getting closer and closer to that day. I'm not going to say that it's going to be before November 3rd. I'm not going to say it's going to be in 2020 or 21. But I'm telling you, we are closer now than we have ever been before. And I can see our world falling apart, our country falling apart. And I can see a need for our Savior and a need for the church to turn back to God to get their eyes off of this world. And to look up in heaven and say, he is coming again. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Many times we're so caught up in other things, we forget that we've been redeemed. The Bible says, lift up your head for your redemption, draweth nigh. He is coming back. So what does that have to do with you and me? Behold the man, if you're here today without Christ, he died for you so that you could have life and so that you could have life abundantly. He died not so that you could earn it. There's nothing that you can do to, to get it. Your salvation is free according to the word of God. Uh, for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot do anything to add to your salvation. It's by Jesus Christ's death and his alone. If you have faith in that, you are saved. You have to believe he he died for your sin, and he rose again, and he sits up now in heaven. And listen, by the way, he's not sitting up there not doing anything. He's not just tapping his foot, waiting for the time to come. He is making intercession. Hebrews tells us he ever liveth to make intercession for you and me. Listen, we have an accuser that says Donnie is a sinner, and Donnie made a mistake, and and Patrick made a mistake, and I'm not picking on anybody on purpose, but listen. He's got all of our names on the tip of his lips because we're all sinners and we've all make mistakes and we all fall short of the glory of God on a daily basis. And he comes up and he says, Father, God, look what they've done. And Jesus says, they're under the blood. He ever liveth to make intercession. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your weakness. He sees you in your trial. And listen, he brings that need before the Father. He says, Lord, they need us to, and I love this word, secure them. He's run to them for help. Used three three times in the Bible, twice. In that particular instance, it's talking about Jesus securing us while he intercedes for us. He runs to our aid. He longs to help us. And he is coming again. If you're here today as a Christian, don't look at him as the man on the cross anymore. Remember it. We're going, to have, we're going to celebrate communion today. And the Bible says uh, there in Corinthians that we do this, uh, and we're to do it until he, until he returns. And it says, because we show his death till he comes. It's a remembrance of the, the agony and the, 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 the brutality that he went through willingly, lovingly for us so that we don't forget. But as Christians, we're to remember those things. We're also to live lo- live looking forward. Looking forward that one day Jesus Christ is going to come back and he has given us all something to do. God has called you uh, to him, not because he wants a large group, because but because he loves you and he, is, he, is, he has a purpose for you. If you're here today and you don't believe God has a purpose for your life, you're wrong. Before you were born, God had a purpose for your life. The Bible says uh, about uh, the prophet uh, uh, that that while he was in uh, his mother's womb before, he was formed in the womb. I knew you and I called you. So I don't know what God's purpose is for me. One, to be a a, if you're a Christian, you're to be a, a member of your church, uh, a, a member of your local body of believers, uh, living, breathing. This, is, this isn't a group. This isn't a club. Uh, this, isn't, uh, uh, this isn't just a place you go on Sundays uh, so you feel good about yourself. This is a place where we can come and we can encourage and strengthen one another. We can help one another and, and bless one another. And we can grow together. And we can reach out aside of the walls of this building and, and, and be a blessing to the, those that are lost without Christ. Because that was the mission that was given to the church: Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, and the, and and were to make disciples, teach them, baptizing them, and and to teach them to make more disciples. We we have missionaries that we support, and, and they're 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 in the the utmost parts of the world. I don't expect you to go to India or to Sudan or any of those places it's, unless God calls you there. What about your neighbor and the person across the street? What about the nurse who comes down the road? Listen, those are the places God has called us to go, unless God sends you someplace else. But God has given us that mission. When's the last time you acted upon it? When's the last time you came along, with brother or sister in Christ, and prayed with them? It's uh, we, we. I I I love our Wednesday night service because we're able to bring the requests that are brought uh, brought to us to pray. We, uh, that's one of the things we're going to do. We see that in the book of Acts. When Peter was arrested and thrown in jail and James was, after James was martyred, they, the church, they came together and they prayed. When they were told they couldn't preach the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ anymore, what did they do? They, they got together and they prayed. That is part of the work of the body of Christ. You, yes, we are to pray. We are to pray without ceasing. We are to pray in our closet. Uh, but yes, we are also to pray together. And if we don't pray together, we are missing out on part of it. Say, well, we pray on Sunday. Yes, we do pray on Sunday. But we don't pray enough on Sunday. Most of the times we pray on Sunday, it's a prayer about the, the message or a prayer about uh, a prayer about the service. Listen, God calls us to pray about our needs. Amen. If then one sick among us, we're to pray. If I don't know that you're sick, then I can't pray. If you don't tell me your need, I can't pray and ask God to help. So we we send our messages to you. That's great. Come pray with us. Because the man that was sick, the Bible says they're anointed with oil. Can't be done through the mail. I can't can't send you an email and anoint you you with oil, praying that God will heal you. Well, I could, but it's not the same. So that's, that's spooky stuff, anointing people with oil. No, that's Bible stuff. I'm not saying there's anything special about the oil. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you it's God and the Holy Spirit that heals? Many times I think that we we are negligent in in doing what God has called us to do as Christians. When Jesus left, before he left, he he gave the disciples many parables talking about the master who was going to leave, the husbandman who was going to leave. And what was, what was the, the, the point of all those miracles, or all those, those parables? It was to teach God's people to be ready. Peter says, if you knew that he was coming back, how much more holy ought you to live? How much should our life change because we're looking forward to the day when Jesus Christ comes back. You say, well, he's been coming back for 2,000 years and he ain't here yet. They were looking for it back 2,000 years ago. Yes, they were. And they lived like it. Because any time, he could have come back. But there's a verse in Scripture that says that, that some people count him slack concerning that promise. But the Bible says don't count him slack concerning that promise. Uh, He hasn't forgotten his promise. It's not that he's not kept his promise, but it's because of his his love uh, 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 of us. It's because of his long-suffering of us. Because he would have that all men would come unto him. So he's waiting for the last one to get saved. And can I tell you, as difficult as it is to get people to listen to the gospel anymore, that could happen at any time. People don't want to hear about the gospel. People don't want to hear about church. And I'm not saying everybody. And I'm not saying God can't work. Amen. Uh, uh, We can go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are to continue to go out until God comes home. Because I don't want to find, I don't want Jesus to come home, uh, come here and take me home and find me sitting on my couch or sitting there doing something or doing nothing. I want him to see me busy, serving, doing what he's called me to do so that he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want him to, uh, as the the parable of the talents, uh, find me digging my talent up out of the ground saying, well, Lord, I didn't use it. Here it is back. Because he didn't say thank you. (laughs) He condemned that man. And he took that talent and gave it to somebody else. I'm not, trying to con- I'm, not, I'm not condemning anybody. I, I'm not looking at anybody. I don't know what you do when you're not here, uh, 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 unless you tell me what you're doing when you're not here. I, I, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about, about how you're living your life outside of, the, outside of Sunday, I'm uh, coming to church, maybe you ought to listen to him. Honestly, our service of God And church ought to be our excuse as to why we can't do other things, not the other way around. Well, I've got to do this, and so I can't be there. Listen, there there are times I used to have to work on Sundays. I'm not. I'm not. uh, If if you have to work, uh, uh, you don't have a choice. You can't necessarily tell your boss, "No, I'm not working." No, but can I tell you, start praying. God just might give you another shift or another job where you can come to church. He did it for me. I used to work every other Sunday uh, I, uh, as a firefighter paramedic, and listen, you don't get those. Uh, they don't they don't swap shifts around. And you, uh, as a new guy or a guy that quit and comes back, they don't give you the best of the shifts. You get whatever's there. But can I tell you, when I prayed about it, when God began to call me and draw me back into Him, and I had to, I was working every other every other weekend, I prayed about it. God, I got rehired back at a place I had quit and left. And when I came back, they gave me a position that worked no weekends. I had the only shift in the entire company that didn't work weekends. It was a guy who had retired who was old, and they gave, and he had worked in administration for years and wanted to be back on the ambulance. And he said, this is what the days I'll work that put me in that shift. And they worked everybody else's schedule around that guy. When he retired and I came back, they gave it to me. I was the guy who had quit and left, and they gave it to me. Why? Because God worked it out. Because I had a desire to have that burning in my heart and to be amongst his people. And I knew one day he's coming back. And I didn't want him finding me somewhere else, doing something else. Because I can tell you, as one who used to pick up shifts on Sunday, so I didn't have to go to church. I didn't want that to be me anymore. Pilate said, Behold the man, because he wanted the people of Israel to see the man that they were about to crucify. When I say, Behold the man, if you're you're lost, I want you to see your Savior. If you're saved, I want you to see a powerful God who rose from the grave, has risen into heaven, and is coming again. Behold the man. Father God, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, I am so thankful for what you've done for us. Lord, just imagining the, the agony you went for, you went through to, to die on that cross. Lord, you did it because you loved us. The word says it's because of the joy that was set before you that you endured the cross, the shame, the suffering. Father, we were that joy. God, I praise you and I lift you up for it. And I, I'm so thankful. God, I pray that I'll live my life, Lord, I place my life on that altar. Lord, a sacrifice. God, that I might serve you with, my, with everything that is in me and all that is a part of me, Lord, that I would never take anything back, that I would never set anything aside for myself. Lord, you deserve it all. And God, I, I give it to you all. God, I pray that through this, uh, through this, uh, this time of invitation, Lord, that you would have your way with the hearts of our people. Lord, and, and my heart as, as well. God, uh, may, may you speak to us. If there's one here today that's not saved, God, I pray that they would see their need of salvation. Lord, for the rest of us, God, work in us. You know our hearts. You know our struggles. You know our, our problems and our, and our weaknesses. God, I pray that your way would, that your will would be done in our lives, that we would say like Jesus, not my will, but thy will be done. God, I pray that you would work, Lord, that we would be tender to it, and Father, may you be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment as the piano begins to play. If you're here.